Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Let's, uh, let's start by reading scripture. Will you stand with me? Uh, let's read some scripture. We're going to read Psalm 63. This is a psalm that our staff has been praying through and thinking about over the last week and a half. And my prayer is that this would just be the heartbeat of our time together today. This right here. Uh, Psalm chapter 63, starting in verse 1. This is a, a psalm of David. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. Lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. The word of the Lord. You can be seated. Yes, thanks be to God for every last word of his word. Okay, now, just in terms of reminder, come on in, folks, find your seat. Uh, uh, this year, we've built our sermon schedule around five priorities in 2023. Um, priority number one is Bible study. Bible study. And if you may remember, uh, three of the first sermons at the beginning of the year were just intensive, like college-level class type Bible studies on Genesis, Exodus, and Deuteronomy. We will have seven of those in our first semester this year. We've broken the, the year up into three semesters, kind of got the spring semester, summer, fall, winter, right? Um, and, uh, and each of them will have this sort of distribution of, of sermons. So we've had uh, three Bible studies already. We'll have uh, four more before the semester's over. Um, we'll have eight equipping services. Now, equipping services are also what we would just call like normal services. Okay, these are your practical application Bible teachings that you're used to if you're part of Northeast. Uh, we just went through a series of four of those uh, in our friendship series, right? Friends Forever. And I hope you were blessed by those and you were able to take, you know, word from God out into your friendships, not just with others, but your friendship with Jesus. Uh, priority three is prayer and worship. Okay, throughout each semester, we're gonna have intentional times like today of prayer and worship where we engage God through the arts and we just have focused, intentional things that we're, fo that, uh, that we're uh, turning our attention to in order to connect with God in a meaningful way. Priority number four, celebration services. We're gonna have one of those each semester. And uh, that's a weekend we're just gonna pause. We're gonna have fun. It's gonna be a family gathering. Hopefully we'll do some stuff afterwards to build community outside the service and we're gonna celebrate the victories God is giving us as a church. And then last, but certainly not least, priority number five is, uh, is our Love the Ville Blitz. 
Now, uh, in the past, we've done one blitz every year, right? One blitz a year. But this year, we're going to do three. Because each semester, we're going to do a, a blitz day. Our, our blitz day coming up for this semester is March 26th. So you can go ahead and like save the date on that one. You're not going to want to miss, this, uh, miss that weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. You'll get all the information on that next week. But we're the Loveville Church, right? So we take uh, the love of Jesus outside the service. We take the service, if you will, to the streets. Um, that's what we're about. Now, today, though, today is our second focused prayer and worship day of the year. Was anyone here on January 1st, first Sunday of the year, where we did like the candles and the worship, Jason Claiborne led? Yeah, um, a lot of us. So today's gonna be a little bit like that. It's gonna be a prayer day, but um, it's not just any prayer day because uh, today is the first Sunday of Lent. And today we are going to get really Lenty, all right? Now, if you grew up in a church like Northeast or like mine, then you actually didn't probably celebrate Lent uh, because, you know, that was something the Catholics do, right? And Catholics are weird. That's what, you were, that's what I was taught. Like, you don't do that. The Catholics do that. They're weird, right? But, but I would contend that a lot of you probably grew up in the Catholic church or maybe a higher church environment that celebrated uh, Lent. Just by a show of hands, how many of you grew up in an environment like that that would celebrate Lent each year? Okay, so look around. It's like half the room. Um, Welcome. And if you grew up in a Catholic church or maybe Episcopalian, Lutheran, uh, while you may have celebrated Lent, you still may not have ever been taught what it, uh, it actually was about. You know, okay, it's Lent time, so we, we give up chocolate. Go to the fish fry on Friday and dad drinks a few too many, right? Like that was, the, whatever. So what I would like to do today is for all of us, you know, whether you grew up in church like this or not, um, I would like to give you a brief history of Lent and then uh, I just sort of lay out for you how we're going to celebrate it together today. So first, history. Uh, when I say Lent, I don't mean this. That's L-I-N-T, okay? I mean L-E-N-T, Lent, which looks something more like this. Okay, and Lent is a season that lasts a little over a month in the life of the church, and it's supposed to prepare our hearts to celebrate Easter, and Christians have actually been doing something like Lent for a really, really long time. Now, I think that, that we should prepare our hearts for Easter. Easter should not sneak up on us. We believe, y'all, that Jesus literally rose from the dead, right? Like, Christians have been celebrating this uh, for years because we believe that, okay, well, when the tomb was empty, the the, the empty tomb cast a retrospective light backwards on the cross, proving that it was not defeat. It was not failure. It was not, you know, just another victim of Roman injustice. No, it cast a retrospective light backwards, proving that the cross was victory. Love wins. Sins defeated. Our debts been paid. And that's worth celebrating. But the empty tomb also sent a shockwave forward through history, animating, enlivening, empowering any life that would proclaim Jesus as the risen Lord. It's a big deal for us. Bigger than like Super Bowl Sunday, right? Everybody's like, Easter, Super Bowl Sunday for y'all. I'm like, even bigger than that, okay? Because we're proclaiming Jesus as the risen King. It's a big deal. It should not sneak up on us. But if you grew up in a church like mine where you didn't celebrate Lent or any season of preparation, then a lot of times it would. Like, honest question for you, what were your Easter traditions growing up? It's just like, for a lot of us, we didn't even know Easter was coming until it was like, okay, haircuts, mom's making me wear this goofy spring outfit. Oh, 
It's Easter Sunday. Let's go take a picture in front of the tree. We're going to church. Haven't been there since Christmas. Here we are, right? Cadbury eggs. Easter bunnies. Oh, it's like most of it's cultural pageantry, right? Like that's how we were reminded of Easter. We were reminded of Easter because all of a sudden in every gas station and grocery store in America, the worst Easter candy ever was there. Peeps. Let's just make sugar into the shape of Easter bunnies and little chicks and we'll make billions. They did. Now, I would suggest to you all today that peeps should not be our best reminder of, oh yeah, Jesus rose from the dead. We should be a bit more intentional than that. We should have an intentional season of prayer, thought, repentance, fasting, and feasting to prepare our hearts to celebrate the risen Lord. So enter stage right Lent. A 40-day period of fasting, self-sacrifice, prayer, and almsgiving observed by Christians each year. Yeah, I see that hand in the back. Go ahead. Tyler, why 40 days? Well, it's modeled after Jesus's 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, you can read those for yourself. See that hand in the back? Go ahead. Another question. How old's Lent, Tyler? Well, historians generally agree that this 40-day period of fasting began sometime in the early 4th century after the church council of Nicaea. Now, here's a fantastic little picture of the council of Nicaea and the way that they took pictures in ancient days. Wonderful little shot of the Nicaean Creed there um, in Greek on the front. Uh, at the council of Nicaea, they made the Nicaean Creed. They duked it out over Arianism and the deity of Christ. And they also, many historians believe, began Lent. Council records actually suggest that the uh, fast applied at first to just new converts. So it was only the newbies. Okay, in the early church, Easter was a big baptism day. Okay, so all the newbies who were gonna get baptized on Easter would go through this 40 days of, of fasting and repentance, preparing their hearts, counting the cost to make sure that Christianity and allegiance to Jesus was something that they were in for. But when the mature Christians saw the power of it, they thought to themselves, why, are it just like, why is it just the newbies who are doing this? We should all probably be repenting and preparing our hearts for Easter. And so it became widespread. Now check this out. Some historians believe that this celebration though dates even further back all the way to the earliest disciples. The reason why we think that is because of this guy named Irenaeus. Everybody say Irenaeus. There you go. I've got a picture of St. Irenaeus here. He was a bishop um, in France, wrote some stuff against heresies. It's probably his most popular. Most of you would not be interested in it, so don't look it up. But he was a third generation disciple, third generation. 130 to about 202 was his lifespan. By third generation disciple, I mean that the man who discipled him was a bishop named Polycarp. Ever heard of Polycarp? Little, little snapshot here of Polycarp. Polycarp was martyred at the age of 86. Uh, when he was martyred, the authorities he stood before said, just deny Jesus, we'll let you off. And he looked at him, old, I just imagine an old man with a cane, he looked at him and raised that cane to him and said, hey, I have been following Jesus for 86 years how would I ever blaspheme my Lord and Savior now? So they burn him at the stake. Now, Polycarp, Polycarp was discipled by somebody who you might be familiar with, um, this guy named the Apostle John. Ever heard of him, right? And of course, the Apostle John was discipled by who? The OG original disciple maker himself, Jesus, the risen Lord. 
Okay, so you got John to Polycarp to Irenaeus. Irenaeus is pretty close to the beginning of our faith. Now, um, the reason why I say this is because in one of uh, Irenaeus' letters to the Pope at the time, Pope Victor, Irenaeus mentions a pre-Easter fast. Apparently in the churches he was charged with, they were arguing about this fast and how long it, would, uh, how long it should be. So Irenaeus writes the Pope about it. And this is what he says about the celebration of the fast. Okay, notice. He says, the variation in observance of the fast did not originate in our own day, but it was very much earlier in the time of our forefathers. Or in other words, this fast has been going on longer than my generation. It originated with my forefathers. Now, how many forefathers in the faith does he even have? He's about as early as it comes, right? So that's why many believe Lent or some sort of preparation season goes all the way back to the apostles. Do you see? It dates back to the beginning of our faith. Now, fast forward 2,000 years later to the other side of the world, here we are. And in our time, Lent is usually kicked off on Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday. Did anyone see any of their friends walking around with dirt on their forehead? That's right. You're like, take a bath, buddy, am I right? No, you're not right, you're wrong, because they went to church on Wednesday, all right? And uh, what happened was, their pastors or priests took the palms from Palm Sunday the year before in 2022. They burnt them into ashes. And then this year they used those ashes to make the sign of a cross on their forehead. This sign was made as a symbol of commitment and rededication. It was made as a sign of repentance, prayer and fasting as they begin to prepare their hearts for Easter. Now, I know this is going to stretch some of y'all today and move you beyond your comfort zone. Uh, But that's the point of our focused prayer and worship days, okay? It's okay to be stretched a little bit. But to stretch ourselves, we're going to try this. We're going to try a new worship element. Today, we are going to do this strange symbol with ashes together as we prepare our hearts for Easter. Now, a few things for you to know, just to demystify this for anybody in the room who might think this is a bit awkward. First, um, we are inviting everyone to participate, everyone, young and old, but you certainly do not have to. Second, there are four stations around the room. You'll see the candles, one right here, one right here, one right here, and one right over there in the corner. At any point in time in the worship service when you feel so led, please go over there. We'll have a pastor or an elder standing there and you can offer them the back of your hand if you're more comfortable with that or you can lean your forehead forward and they'll put a mark of the cross on you and they will speak a word of blessing and challenge over you. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. That's the message of Easter, by the way, right? Like we believe that cross-shaped love leads to resurrection life because of our risen Lord. So it's appropriate words. Now again, why are we doing this? A few reasons, I just wanna remind you. One, because it's strange. I have found that more and more in our world to be a Christian, you will be looked at as strange. And this symbolizes the strangeness as we are in but not of the world. Second, it's active, and our worship should be active. It's an active way to repent of your sins, an active way to show the seriousness that you bring into this season and this celebration. And third, it is global, multicultural, 
and ancient. It unites us with the international church. It unites us with the historic church. Millions of Christians around this globe this week have done the same thing we, uh, we are doing today. Okay, and in a day and age where anything old or anything traditional is immediately and automatically scorned and castigated, I want us to take pride in our history. We look back to the saints that come before us and we join them in our time carrying our own cross. Now y'all can do this. You can do it. I know you can. You know how I know? Because I was here last week. Anybody else here for our worship service last week? That wasn't even a prayer day. And yet something happened. Like about last week, y'all, God did something in this room, didn't he? What an amazing heartfelt time of worship. You can see the pictures for those of you who weren't here. People were bowed before the stage here praying to God. Embracing, singing, worshiping with freedom, hands raised. Aaron Crane, our Clifton pastor, told me he sang and led worship at Clifton until his voice gave out. I saw husbands and wives weeping and contending for God's blessing. I saw the high schoolers lined up here on the stage just praying that God would raise up a new generation for him. I saw parents speaking words of blessing over their kids. What a beautiful moment for our church. Would you know? Okay, you wouldn't know. But last week, uh, because of just different events in the life of our church, I spent less time preparing that sermon than any sermon I have ever preached for you. And yet God still moved. Jason told me that before he walked on stage and led, he just decided, I've got to throw the notes out today because God's giving me something else to say to our church in this moment. Before the nine o'clock service last week, uh, Lindsay, my wife, one of the worship leaders, grabbed me and Mac, and she was like, I think God's telling me to say something today to the church. And, uh, and I was like, Okay. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You do the talking, Tyler. I do the singing. And I was like, well, apparently the boss has different plans today. You're going to do the talking and the singing. And for me personally, that was one of the great moments of our service last week. Her just sharing in from her heart about obedient worship. And God showed up. And it wasn't even a prayer weekend like this weekend is. So... Um, I don't know if you noticed, but we've, we've got rugs up here. First day back in office this week, Corbin, Mac, they're like, we gotta go to the store and get rugs. So they went to Costco, they bought us some, some rugs. It'll be a little softer for your knees today. And uh, they did that because we all believe on our staff that this is a cultural tipping point in the worship of our church. This is a, this is a moment, this is a season where we could change how we worship together forever if we're willing to continue to be Obedient. We'll look back on this time and say that's when God moved us towards maturity, towards freedom, towards obedience. It's funny, I made the comment last week about, about Craig asking if we could put some cushions up here and I threw the couch cushions from my office. That's the only cushions I had. But guess what? Um, now we got more cushions. Okay, so you, uh, you cheer. Yeah, help me out here. Let's get, you, guys, you guys cheer. Uh, but I, I, went, I walked into the office on Monday morning and uh, I saw these in the lobby. Uh, some of these, some of these were actually brought today uh, by somebody else, but uh, somebody had apparently just went out, a lady in our church, brought the cushions in, dropped them off in the office. She wouldn't tell the receptionist her name. She's like, I just wanna be anonymous, but I want you to know that I am in support of the prayer direction of this church, All right? So yeah, praise God for that, praise God. So uh, I'm gonna spread these out here. These will be a, a little more hopefully uh, comfortable, and uh, I want to challenge us as a church. Let's uh, let's let's use these today. 
something is happening right now in our church and it's a good thing, it's a God thing. Let's remain obedient to God. The only way we miss him is if we don't obey him. I'll say what I said last week again. How many times have we ignored those small urges during worship to come up and kneel and pray? How many times have we ignored the butterfly moments in our stomach where we know we should grab a friend or a spouse and just confess to them and experience God's grace? How many times have we ignored those stabbing convictions to renew our hearts or to give our lives to him? We just miss it, we miss it. Why do we miss it? Jesus has his arms open wide, why? Is it because we're too prideful to confess, too dignified to kneel or come forward, too distracted to sing, too self-conscious to raise our hands, too cynical to believe that something special could happen right here, right now to me or to us? So look, let's do it again today. It doesn't have to be fake. It doesn't have to be whipped up or weird. You don't have to manufacture emotions. Just give God your attention, follow the lead of our worship pastors, and whatever he says to you over the next hour, immediately obey. Come to the altar and pray. Humble yourself before your friends. Whisper encouragement to your spouse. Lay hands on your kid. Give someone you love a hug. Sing loud, raise hands, read scripture, clap to God, shout hallelujah, confess your sins, rededicate your heart, receive the ashen mark of the cross. Everyone all in. Jesus is why, once again, let's make this a thin space between heaven and earth. Will you stand with me and let's worship together.